In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, so my Wednesday shows have moved to Fridays and it's also led to some adjustments of when I've been doing the book. So I'll do, uh, this week's book of the week on Friday's show. Um, the book of the week for this week is the concept of anxiety by Soren Kierkegaard, uh, a philosophical book looking at anxiety from the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, a very dense and interesting to say the least so far. Looking forward to sharing it with you on Friday's show. Uh, I had my brother on the show Friday last week, my first Friday show, which was nice to have him on, but we talked about the serious topic of what's happening in Iran and what those of us outside of Iran can do and some of the issues that we might be facing. And really, uh, for anyone who follows it closely or even not so closely, we are constantly seeing news that is heartbreaking um, from individual stories that are horrific and sad to stories of larger scale things that are happening like close to 15,000 protesters who might be facing the death penalty, um, which is shocking and beyond, beyond comprehension, but what really is happening right now. and all we can do, which we've talked about, is to amplify the voices, the stories, and the news of what's happening there and make sure that we don't stop. And that's a topic I've discussed often because I really do see what's happening is likely to be a long process. And if we want to support the process, we have to be ready to support for a long time. And so what can happen when we are faced with any kind of situation like this that's ongoing is that we can experience things like compassion fatigue, essentially giving up and um, not trying anymore. And so that term compassion fatigue or also a related type of concept, collapse of compassion, is something that I wanted to start the show off today because uh, it could be good to try to understand what we go through an experience that might lead to us to stop caring and what with that knowledge we maybe can do so we continue to care or continue to take action it's not necessarily that we stop caring or that we stop taking action but those two things are related so uh, a few things can be relevant here one is when we talk about collapse of compassion sometimes it's from research that looks at how people respond to certain situations so if you tell someone one person or one child is suffering they will care a lot. They will be like, well, we should help that person, that child. Let's do something about it. And they'll care a lot if they hear a story about one person who is suffering. But then if you hear that there's 100,000 people suffering in that same way, you might get overwhelmed and actually not care or care less or find some ways to justify away 
what's going on is either it's uh, nothing you can do about it, somehow it's fair, somehow it's the way it's supposed to be, possibly blaming the victims, lots of things that we might do. So why might that be? So if we look at this experience of compassion, this feeling of compassion, what is essentially going on is you see the pain of someone else, the suffering, pain, um, injustice, oppression that they are experiencing. And through empathy and through our ability to feel others' feelings, you feel something within yourself that doesn't feel good. So you see someone in pain in a very uh, visceral, easy one. You see, that's why when we watch a movie and let's say uh, someone hits their finger with a hammer, you might even have a reaction, right? Because we see them suffering. It might trigger things like mirror neurons and other things as well. But we can see that there's some sense of compassion. Their bad feeling makes you feel bad. Now, let's say in a more um, not visceral way of like just someone getting hurt, you see that someone is thirsty. And because they're thirsty, you can imagine what that feels like. You feel bad. Now, that bad feeling makes you want to act in a way to resolve your bad feelings, which is kind of uh, the way feelings work in general is they're pushing us away and towards things and trying to restore some type of homeostasis. So we can say you see them feeling bad. It makes you feel bad. And you know that by helping them, you will now feel better or that bad feeling will resolve. And so this could bring up some people's thoughts of this is why every action is still selfish no matter what, because even if you're doing it for someone else, it makes you feel good. But of course, if we take that train of thought to its extreme, that essentially means someone killing someone and someone saving someone's life would be morally equivalent, which I think is, of course, uh, laughable and not worthy of really giving a lot of weight to. I think there's different degrees of what we're doing and how much it's for us and for others and how much it's good or not good. And so if you see someone suffering, it does make you feel bad and helping them will make you feel better. But I think that is actually part of human nature that is quite good and something we want to encourage ourselves to listen to, to listen to that bad feeling and to do something about it. By bad feeling, I mean, it doesn't feel good. Compassion itself can feel quite um, beautiful in a way when you care about others and then if you can express that care for them. So you see someone suffering and you do something about it, it makes you feel better because you now see that that suffering has gone away. And this is where the large numbers of people suffering can become a problem. Because if one person is thirsty, I can give them water. If 100,000 people are thirsty, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure I can do anything about it to take away all of that suffering. So if I let myself feel bad about what I'm seeing or hearing about reading, whatever it might be, I have to sit with this uncomfortable feeling that even if I get involved, the suffering will still continue, or at least some of the suffering will continue. So let's say I know I have enough water for 10 people. I can go give 10 people water, but still 999,990 people will still be thirsty. And so if what's driving my action is that compassion, that feeling bad, that people are feeling bad, well, then I'm still going to have to sit with some of that. It's maybe gotten a little bit less. Some people are okay, but it's still very much a big problem and a lot is happening. And so because when we see the number is large and the problem can't get solved easily, or we don't think our action can solve that problem, 
what our brains will do is really automatically go to a place of trying to see that maybe this thing isn't something to feel bad about. Maybe it's okay. Well, you know, you hear so many arguments. The world isn't fair. That's one of the ones I um, I think is very laughable one. The world isn't fair. Then that means if someone tells you that, just take all their money out of their pocket, hit them, do whatever you want to them, and then they'll say, yeah, the world isn't fair, I guess. So do all those things to me. The world isn't fair is something that can be good to be aware of, that we're not going to have perfect justice, that injustices exist, that things happen that are unfair. But it's not a justification for things to continue to be the way they are, or for you to think that you don't have to take any action or any action you take is then okay. So, Because again, then we get to some kind of logical conclusion that everything is okay. The world isn't fair. Okay, so we can have laws that are whatever they want to be. People can do whatever they want to each other. And you can just say the world isn't fair. Quite the opposite. Yes, the world isn't fair. There's injustices. We'll maybe never have perfect justice and fairness. But our responsibility as individuals and then as societies is to make things more just, more fair. So we see an injustice, we actually should do something about it, not write it off as the world isn't fair. So the world isn't fair, yes, actually that's my call to action rather than my call to resignation or that I don't need to do anything. So that's one argument. Um, there's many others. Again, a big one is blaming the victim. We see this with things like addiction or um, homelessness and different things that people experience where we just think it's, well, it's their fault if they're having problems or if they can't pay their medical bills, well, you know, they should have thought better or had more money or done something to, to counter that rather than seeing the societal issues that are at play. So we're very good at blaming the victims or, well, there's nothing I can do about it or I should do about it or I can't worry myself about other people. We come up with a lot of reasons all of which we can see. So I have this bad feeling. There's two ways I can try to resolve it. One is to eliminate the suffering of those people or that person. That would be one way. But if that does not seem possible because the problem seems so big, I can try to eliminate my thought and feeling that it's something bad. Maybe nothing bad is happening. There's nothing to be sad or upset about. And that's what we tend to do when the problem seems to be too big or seem like something we can't solve. But with this awareness, we can then think, okay, if I can't fix all of it, if I think helping one person, even helping one person's suffering be reduced, I can't even necessarily help one person completely, isn't that valuable? Isn't that have a value to me as the right thing to do, taking action? If I can't save everyone's life, but I saved one life, can I sit with that discomfort that even though I didn't save everyone, I saved one person rather than I could have done something and I didn't do anything to even save that one person? So if we have an awareness of this tendency, and if you pay attention, you'll notice you'll do it yourself because it happens quite automatically. You know, sometimes I make it a more dramatic example if I'm giving a seminar with a group of people. And if I said there's one small child outside of the room right now who's starving, um, and is cold, everyone will instantly say, let's stop everything we're doing and feed that child and warm them up and take care of them and make sure they're okay. But the reality is there isn't just that one child in the world. There's hundreds of thousands or millions of children and people who are suffering in that way. And then all of a sudden, rather than wanting to feed one person, you're like, ah, well, 
maybe that's just the way it is or what can we do or it's not my responsibility or a bunch of other things that let us off the hook of doing anything to help. And so I bring this up because with what's happening in Iran, we can have that same feeling of that powerlessness that to care, that bad feeling is not going to go away because a solution is not going to be very quickly to be come upon or my own actions won't fix the problem and so it might be easier not to care and we can get to that point because even when we genuinely care we are still human beings and we can get to a capacity that can feel like too much the reason why i say that is people sometimes will say well if you're passionate about something even we use this about careers if you're you know i've said it myself many times if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life, which has some truth to it in the sense that the work you do can feel pleasurable, enjoyable, fulfilling, can actually give you energy at times and feel really good and be something that you look forward to even. But that doesn't mean you can do it 24 hours a day and never sleep or never do anything else or that you might not get tired of it or you might not get tired of some aspects of that same thing that you love. And that the bottom line is you're a human being who still needs to take care of themselves. The most clear example of this is new parents who we can't imagine any kind of relationship where one being loves another being or cares about their well-being as much as parents and their children, especially parents with a newborn. And so, of course, they care so much and would do anything for them. And they do push themselves to limits that new parents tend to say they didn't even think they were capable of sleep deprivation and doing certain things and multitasking and taking care of a variety of things. But at the end of the day, they are still human beings. They still need some rest. They still need to take care of themselves to a degree. There's no infinite type of way of being um, available to your child. You need support. You need help from each other. And then, of course, it takes a village and others support you as well. Um, but there's still some reality, even with the love, the passion, the care that is there, that it can't go on forever. And so as much as the people in Iran are suffering, and anytime I say something like this, it can feel like, well, compared to what they're going through, how can we think of our own pain or discomfort and all of that? And it's not even comparable. That's not what the conversation is about, comparing what we're going through with what someone in Iran is going through. That's not even on the table or worth discussing. What we're actually looking at is recognizing how much they are suffering and how bad what they are going through is and how unjust it is and how much they need our support. How can we make sure we take care of ourselves so we can continue to support them? I don't want to say take care of them. That would be uh, extreme and um, probably saying it's too much. But how can we make sure we continue to support them for the long haul. And that's why I'll, I'll continue to talk about this in the next segment. We have to be aware of how we consume what we consume, how we're involved, how we support one another, how we don't tear one another down and in, in how we support. But what are some things we can be mindful of so that we can continue to be supportive, to not um, lose the consistency, because that's going to be important in keeping things in the news cycle, in the social media cycles that happen so that people are informed and continue to be informed. So I'll continue on this topic of 
what we go through, what we can experience, and what we can try to do to counter that so we can continue to support our sisters and brothers in Iran. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So in the previous segment, I was talking about uh, issues or concepts like collapse of compassion, compassion fatigue, and how might they might be relevant to those of us outside of Iran trying to support the people of Iran, as we are seeing that this is likely going to be a long process. Parham and I talked about this on the show Friday. Um, often for myself, even when you hear about things in history, the you know the, it seems like things happen in a moment, like a revolution happens just on one day or even one year. Um, but often what we see is that it's about things that are brewing for sometimes years and decades that, that leads to an eventual revolution. And even if that itself is not one moment that it happens, um, sometimes one moment becomes emblematic or becomes the symbol of the revolution, but that's a process it's, itself as well. So likely it's going to be a long process. And so I hope those of us outside of Iran supporting the people of Iran will continue to be aware of this because what we can find is several things can creep in. I said something in the previous segment about, for example, blaming the victim, trying to explain away the injustice as somehow part of just the world the way it is. It is what it is. And we have to accept it that way and life isn't fair and all those kinds of things. Specifically to what we're going through or what we're going through here, people experience a range of things that makes them start to give up or some types of thinking. And one of them is that, well, what I'm doing isn't making a difference. So what's the point? So there's this feeling that I've been posting for two weeks and it doesn't make a difference. So why should I keep posting? It doesn't make a difference at all. And um, any one post, any one thing any of us does, even someone who has more power or influence, likely doesn't do much in and of itself. And so this is the concept that I've been um, discussing often, which is results versus responsibility. Don't get fixated on the results with any one action you're taking. Focus on your responsibility. Am I doing the most that I can do to support a cause if I think that's the right thing to do? So we can't be dissuaded by this uh, experience we're going to have that it seems like not a lot changes. And also we've been here before where people are, um, we've seen protests and movements start in Iran in these last four decades that ended very sadly and often violently from the hands of the government. So it's understandable that people have those same feelings. Of course, I have no guarantee of what's going to happen, but I do know that the more that we do to support, the more likely it is that something good can happen. If we give up or we stop, that is going to almost definitely spell the end of what's going on or will make it less likely that it could succeed. Uh, I also think what can be helpful is when we lose motivation or feel these feelings of ca compassion, fatigue, or um, giving up that might come up for any of us at different times, is to see the people of Iran again. See who you are fighting for and trying to support and how much they deserve that support. Just because I've used the analogy already today, same thing with parents, you'll hear them all the time say, of course, again, there's limits to how much they can do, but sometimes they'll 
catch a glimpse of their child sleeping after being so difficult all day and all of a sudden it feels worth it or it reminds them of what it's all about. It re-motivates them and re-inspires them, re-energizes them in that way. So I think the people of Iran are our, the people we are serving in this way, supporting in this way. And they're the people that if we see, um, see their stories, faces, both those who've already been victims and have um, been hurt, killed, whatever um, horrible thing they've experienced. I think we have to not look away. We have to look at it to see what is happening, to remember why we're supporting them, and also looking at those who are still living and why we are fighting for them as well, that they deserve our support. They need it. Um, not that they need it because they're not doing enough themselves, but that it can be very helpful to them in their cause. Now, when we look at ourselves, or sometimes people will say, well, how much should I watch the news of Iran? How much should I read posts and, and do those things? I, I tend not to be uh, a believer of firm prescriptions in these kinds of things, that one hour a day is the limit, two hours a day, or this many posts, or this many articles, because I think that can be sometimes helpful to give people um, some rules to or guideposts that can help them. But I tend to veer more towards recognizing what's a longer lasting type of principle and one that actually is really more one size fits all. And that's that we pay attention to ourselves, that you are the one that knows how much is too much. But the only way you can do that is if you pay attention to what's happening within you. Uh, even as a therapist, this is something that from the begin beginning of graduate school we talk about and they tell us about and teach us about to, you know, they use terms like, well, what do you do for self-care? That was a classic interview question when we'd go on uh, interviews for internships and things is to see what do you do to try to balance, you know, your work and life and things and make sure you're doing okay. Because like many careers that are related to healthcare or mental health care, you can... Um, of course, you are impacted by the people you are helping. And so things like burnout is very common, which is also a type of like compassion fatigue. It can just become too much that you're trying to help and you get impacted. So, of course, it over time takes a toll. And something that I think is uh, kind of curious or interesting to keep in mind when it comes to these things is the people that go into helping professions tend to be people that are on the more sensitive side. They, The care might drive them towards wanting to help others. But of course, that also means they can be impacted by it even more because they can be more sensitive. So of course, this is a generalization, but something that I think tends to be true in an overall sense. Um, but coming back to all of us as individuals who are helping in this case uh, and the connection there, as a therapist, of course, you it could be good to set limits. That, let's say, okay, I'm only going to see this many clients a week. These are the hours that I will see clients. I won't see clients, let's say, on the weekends and even on these times, not this early, not this late. Coming up with those kinds of boundaries can be very helpful to keep you in a type of routine or regimen that is something you think you can continue, and that could be good. But at the same time, even with that, you still have to pay attention to what you are going through. Because just because you set some limit of 20 clients per week, it doesn't mean that it won't become too much based on what's happening in your life, 
physically, mentally, emotionally, things you've experienced. Also, using, you know, we're jumping back between analogies, but what's happening around in the world that's affecting you. I know a lot of people with what's happening in Iran, they're saying it is affecting their work or how they feel at work or what they're doing because uh, they're so preoccupied with it and affected and impacted by it. But so as a therapist, you can't just say, well, if I'm seeing this many clients a week, I'm going to be okay. Because also the types of clients you see in the sessions you have can be different. You might be seeing people with intense trauma or intense family dynamics that are really combative in the sessions or people who are experiencing things, re-experiencing things, where they just went through something even more uh, intense than they have been going through. Now that's going to be even more impactful on you. And so you can't just set these numbers and boundaries up. You have to pay attention to what you are experiencing. And so similarly for us paying attention to the news and then trying to share the news, trying to stay informed, trying to keep others informed, it's not a, okay, if you do it one hour a week, you're going to, or a day or whatever it is, it's going to be okay. Cause it depends on what you're looking at. Just like I was saying, different cases and different sessions might be uh, differing and how much they impact you. You might see some video of something very graphic that's triggering and really intense for you. Or especially because so many people who are outside of Iran at some point lived in Iran, you might see something that brings up something that you went through or someone you know went through, and that impacts you even more deeply than you would anticipate. I've heard many stories like this where someone says, I saw this, this situation of some girl or some woman or some man or someone, and it reminded me of me and someone I went through. Or the person looked like they could be my son or my daughter or whatever it might be. It might impact you in a way that is more than you would anticipate. And so there is no way to say this is the exact amount of time you can spend and you're going to be okay no matter what, or this is too much. It is something that we each have to figure out for ourselves, but we do have to pay attention to it. The only instrument we have is within ourselves. And that means we have to tune into it. Okay, how, how am I feeling? You know what, today actually I'm already feeling like I'm at my limit of what I can see. Maybe I can just post something and take a little bit of time away from it and come back to it. But we have to pay attention to what's going on inside because that's the only guide that we have, the only instrument that could tell us when we've had enough or how much is enough for us. And I also bring this up because we can experience many types of guilt as people who are outside of Iran and not having to suffer in the ways that the people of Iran are suffering. Many people lived there and they left. So there's kind of a survivor's guilt of that could have been me. And that can also be inspiring when we see messages like we are all Mahsa Amini. There's a reason why that's powerful is that we recognize she was the one that had to suffer and was the victim. But we recognize it could have been any of us or any of our loved ones that could have been in that situation. And that can be um, heartbreaking, but also inspiring to make us fight even more that this is not okay to happen to anyone. Um, and so those slogans, those messages are very powerful because of that uh, exact reason. Um, but we will get impacted in different ways based on what we, we see. And because of that, we have to be mindful of how I am getting affected by it and recognize that this is part of being human, that that survivor's guilt I was saying is something that is pretty common for people to experience or the guilt of just seeing people suffering. And then there could be this guilt of what if I'm not doing enough? 
which I think is important to keep in mind as I was saying, what's my responsibility? How much can I do? But realizing that it doesn't mean you will never hit moments where you need a little bit of time of way. Maybe just a little break for a few hours, half a day, even a day. You might need those times. So I don't want to discourage people from continuing to act and to take action and to be consistent. We want to do that. And you could even try to post something or schedule a post if you want to take some time away so something else shows up on your feed and you're, you're putting that out there. But I don't want people to feel that they have to be perfectly doing something. So that if they post 10 times a day or they're not doing enough, that might work for you, but it might not be the right thing for everyone or to read everything, all the news stories and stay um, totally informed and post everything they see. That could work for you, but not everyone is going to be able to handle the same amount. Not everyone is going to be able to do the same things and that's okay. And we want to first uh, respect and appreciate ourselves and what we're going through and what we can and can't do and try to be respectful of others and that what they're doing is what they know to be the best or what they can do. We can encourage each other, people that you care about, you know, and you love, but not to think that we know what they can do and that they shouldn't stop or ever take a break because we need those things. So I say that to reduce the guilt, not because I want you to stop trying, but I don't want you or any of us to burn out, which is very easy to happen. If you say, okay, I have to do everything all the time, every minute, You'll do it for a while, then you're going to give up. And these different things will creep in of, oh, it doesn't make a difference. You know, oh, I did this much for this long and nothing even happened. So why should I continue? Um, Variety of excuses you might come up with, which basically are you just saying, I can't do this anymore. So because I want us to do this for a long time, because I think that's likely going to be the reality, I think it's important for us to be aware of these things of checking in with yourself. How are you being impacted? Already in this, um, I guess it's what, six, seven weeks that since the Maswa Amini killing and the protests that have started since then, you can see some waves of things that happened. I think the first few weeks, it was so intense from everyone. I did notice some feeling of a lull or people were a little bit less focused or maybe there was less of it being put out there. Still, you'd see a lot, but I think it was at the beginning, there was just this Um, everywhere I looked in my uh, newsfeed and things, it was all over the place. It became a little bit less, was still there. And I think it's, it's gotten more again, but these waves I think will happen more collectively, but of course, individually as well. So I just want us to be mindful of this because I can see people stopping when really the only thing that's going to help is if we find a way to continue. It's just like if you were working shifts at a hospital We need the staff to sleep to then keep helping the patients in whatever way that they can. They could feel like, I don't want to sleep because I want to keep helping, but that wouldn't allow them to do it in the long haul. And this is going to be a marathon. We got to keep pushing and and supporting one another through this as well, which maybe I'll touch on in the next segment. I just don't want us to feel guilty if we're aware of what we're going through. And it might mean that sometimes you need little breaks here and there, but first and foremost, the only way you even know that you need a break or might need to do something is to pay attention to what you're going on, what's going on for you inside. Let's go to our last commercial break for the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So in the first two segments was talking about some 
psychological type of concepts related to what's going on in Iran, or I should say what's going on for those of us outside of Iran, about what's going on in Iran, and how we could try to maintain our ability to continue to support our sisters and brothers in Iran for the long haul, which is likely what they will need us for, because this will take a long time. And so I hope we can continue that support and make sure that we can maintain ourselves through this. And so in this last segment, I wanted to talk about how we can support one another, because uh, this has been a very trying time for most Iranians um, living outside of Iran, of course, for those within Iran even more. But I'm focusing on those of us outside of Iran and what we can do. I have nothing but love and support for those who are in Iran, but I also don't have advice that I could give to them. They they know what they need to do and what they can do, and I'm just here to amplify their voices and share their stories and the news of what's going on. And so for those of us outside of Iran, one thing that's really important is that we don't want to get in each other's way or um, pull each other down. The analogy I used with uh, Parham on Friday on the show is that it's like we're all trying to lift this really heavy stone together and we don't want to be pointing fingers well you're not lifting the right way or um, you're using bad form or you should be pushing more or pushing this way or you sh should have started pushing sooner there's people that are being uh, suffocated under that stone we have to save them or protect them or do the best we can to support them and so we don't want to get in each other's ways um, when it comes to showing support and so one thing that's important to keep in mind is that we're, we're going to feel different things, even though the situation in Iran is it's one situation, we can say, or something is happening. We don't all have the same, um, first of all, even the same information completely, but same reactions, feelings. And then even with that, we won't all respond in the same way. And so we can't expect that everyone will support the way we want them to share news, the way we want, say things we want, use the specific words that we want. Um, and yes, there are some people that are not in favor of what's happening in Iran. They might pretend like they are, so it doesn't mean that we're, we're blind completely to whoever is pretending to be supporting but might not be. But by and large, when you see that people have the right intentions, but they might not be doing it quite the right way, I would recommend us all to be more supportive and less judgmental and more encouraging and less uh, lecturing when it comes to how we deal with one another. That yes, they might have used the word wrong or they could have done it better or sooner or lots of things, but amplify their support rather than detract from it or take away from it. If you'd like, especially if you know them or if you can do it in some other way, you can send them a message um, if you think that makes sense to educate them. But if your goal is to educate, it should not be to judge or to put down. You can encourage and educate rather than judge and blame and bring people down. Anytime we're trying to uh, judge and blame people, it's not, we can't say it's coming from a good place. That's coming from trying to lift ourselves up by pushing them down. If you genuinely see someone use the wrong word or could have said something better, or you just have a genuine feedback for them, you can say that in a loving and encouraging way that does not need to put them down, or you don't need to write something mean in the comment section to to let them know they said this wrong or this wasn't right or they should have done it this way. So I hope we'll be supportive of people when 
we are trying to make a big change in the face of a very strong opposition who has the power. We need to be unified and have our voices and our forces all in the same direction. But if we start cross-fighting amongst ourselves, then there's going to be less going towards um, bringing about change and supporting those who are bringing about change. So I really encourage us all to be mindful of this. It is part of our culture to be judgmental and to try to show how good we are by noticing the bad in others. And I wouldn't do it this way and see this is wrong. And I would say this, but I hope we can put that aside and recognize that that type of judgment is about us and not about supporting a bigger cause and supporting other people. It's about trying to make ourselves feel good by making others feel or look bad in front of others. So that's one thing that I think is really important that we stay unified and supportive in, in our fight and in our support, because if we don't, it's just going to take away from what we are trying to do. But also on a more personal individual level, I think it can be important for us to to talk amongst ourselves with one another about what what's going on, what we're going through, what we're doing throughout this process um, in a variety of ways. One is just to, to check in and support each other. This is difficult and taxing and a lot of stress has been put on anyone who's related or is has relatives but also is related to what's going on in Iran in some way. It isn't easy. Again, those in Iran are going through something incredibly harder we can't even compare them but just looking at what people are experiencing i've seen that in, in therapy sessions with so many clients but just talking with people how much of a toll what is happening in iran has taken on them so we can support one another there is a way that even though we have limits that i was talking about we definitely do but those limits get extended and pushed when we have more support just like um, an athlete who's running and then hears the roar of the crowd might be able to push themselves a little bit harder. There still will be limits, but they can push themselves harder. As human beings in general, when we cheer each other on, check in with each other, support one another, we all can do more and go further and, and continue in, in what we are doing. So I hope we will do that for one another, be there for each other as support, as love, loving partners in this challenge that we are facing in continuing to support the people of Iran. Also, what can be good in talking with one another is that we can learn from one another ideas and things that we can do. So we do see many people posting, sign this petition, um, write to your you know, members of government in different ways. Here are the contact information. Here's a sample letter or message that you can use. That's wonderful, sharing that kind of uh, information of ways we can get involved. Also more creative things that people can do. Um, of course, we see so much incredible art that has been put out from paintings, pictures, music, uh, per performances, dances, a variety of things. And so I think we can be inspired by the art, but also be inspired by what we can do because we all have different types of talents or abilities that we can bring to the table my friend Negin actually gathered a few of us a couple of days ago, um, a lawyer, myself a psychologist, other people in related fields, to do some brainstorming about what can we do, either collectively but individually, to uh, further support this cause. What can we come up with? And I thought that was wonderful, just that proactive approach of 
let's come together, collaborate. There's things that we can do together that we can't do individually, but also we can talk and give each other suggestions and ideas of what we can do. And so that was actually, to me, exactly the right kind of support that in suggesting things to one another and just the idea that you had to do that, it wasn't to judge or to say you haven't done enough or you should be doing this, but it was in a genuine, uh, supportive, encouraging mindset and framework of what can we do, what, what other possibilities are there, what can you suggest for me, what can I suggest for you, how can we collaborate to do more and to do better because we want to stretch ourselves as much as we can and that involves being creative, putting ourselves out there, um, doing things that maybe we were afraid to do, but what better motivation than helping a cause that you know is a good one, a worthy one, a just one. And I've actually seen this from a lot of people that maybe have been unsure of themselves in certain things, but because they see how dire the situation is, they're motivated and inspired by what they're doing in Iran, but also motivated and inspired by how unjust things are there, and maybe even their own experiences with the regime, that they have put themselves out there in ways, writing things on social media, putting videos out there or sharing with other people about what's going on in ways that were not uh, in their comfort zone. And I think that's great. And we do often see this. We get motivated and inspired and we take action. This is actually why our feelings, sometimes we can think of them as these things that get in the way, but really they're what make life worth living, but also they make us act and live. We feel something, we take action. So coming back to this theme of compassion that I started the show talking about, if we look at what's happening in Iran and the people who are suffering, you're going to feel something if you allow yourself to, even if you were not Iranian in any way you would, but especially for Iranians who've also lived there and who are connected to the people of Iran, you feel even something stronger. And we have to let ourselves feel that, even if it doesn't feel good. It's not going to feel good because what's happening is bad and unjust and as human beings should make you feel bad. And we have to allow ourselves to have those bad feelings because those are the ones that will motivate us to take good actions. Those bad feelings will lead to good actions if we allow them to. And so, as I was saying, it does involve keeping ourselves healthy and okay in every way we can, keeping ourselves mindful of how we're being impacted so that we can continue to do it. We don't get overwhelmed to the point where we burn out and give up and stop putting that consistent effort in. We can support one another by, first of all, not putting each other down, not shaming, judging, blaming, judging the ways it's done or the ways that things are said, but supporting and encouraging one another when we see people making efforts. And if they're pushing in the right direction, don't push them down or push them back, push what they are saying forward. We can do all of those things and then also making sure we keep our eye on what's going on, mindful of how it's affecting us, but not taking our eye off of what's happening there. Because if we take our eyes off of what's happening in Iran and if we stop amplifying the voices and stories and the news of what's happening in Iran, the world will take its eyes off of what's happening in Iran. And that we know won't end well. So we have to stay vigilant and consistent. We have to stay compassionate to ourselves, but also especially compassionate to the people of 
Iran and recognizing that their pain should make us feel bad because it's unjust, it is not okay. And we continue to act and continue to act together. There's no guarantee of a result, but you can be guaranteed that you did everything in your responsibility and your power to bring about that change. So I hope we can stay together in this, stay together for the people of Iran through this, recognizing that it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't feel good because those bad feelings can lead to good actions. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. A big thank you to Ghazali here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Farid Zan Zendegi Azadi.